From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hi, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. For our panel discussion this week, we're joined by Philadelphia School Superintendent Dr. Tony Watlington and Larissa Chambeau. Chief Talent Officer for the School District of Philadelphia. They'll discuss their program, Grow Your Own, which covers full tuition for power professionals to become teachers in the district. What better way to look for individuals who are shovel-ready to move into these teaching roles if we continue to figure out how to make sure they can get those degrees debt-free? Sheridan Howard's Newsmaker this week is founder of Purple House Project PA, a local nonprofit that's focused on strengthening women who've fallen victim to domestic violence. In a world where so many things have been taken away from the women that we serve, we want to provide them with tangible resources that they can keep with them no matter where they go. Antoinette Lee's Philly Rising Changemaker features Philly moms helping moms. In Philadelphia, I feel like the resources are there, but a lot of people don't know that they're there. So they're like searching and searching and not finding it. So with the group, we're able to provide the resources that they're not able to find. Like older people or some people might not have access to computers or get on the phone and call in different resources. So we provide all that for them. All that is on the way on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. The School District of Philadelphia recently announced its commitment to invest an additional $1.7 million to support district paraprofessionals to become teachers. In collaboration with the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, the Paraprofessional Grow Your Own program covers the full cost of tuition and it provides additional support so that participants graduate debt free and earn a bachelor's degree and a teacher role in the district. We are now joined by Philadelphia School Superintendent Dr. Tony Watlington and Larissa Chambeau, Chief Talent Officer for the School District of Philadelphia. We'll also hear from a teacher who's currently participating in the program. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Hello. Thank you. Now tell me all about how this program came about. How did it start in the School District of Philadelphia? Well, certainly I want to begin by saying uh, kudos to uh, our chief of talent here in the School District of Philadelphia, Larissa Shambo, who will tell you more about that in just a moment, along with the president of the uh, Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, often called the PFT, Mr. Jerry Jordan, and a host of college partners to include College Unbound, Cheney uh, University, Drexel, LaSalle, Temple, and Temple Universities. Uh, I think this is so important, if I could just say very quickly, because In the United States, uh, the number of people going into four-year institutions, whether public or private, to become teachers is down about greater than 50% nationally over the past decade. And here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, that number is even more stark. It's down by some 66 to 67%. And so we have to find different ways to get uh, people back into this pipeline to get into the teaching profession because we know public schools are what created the middle class in this country or helped to create the middle class and the world's largest economy. And if that pipeline begins to dry up and we don't find adequate ways to replenish it, we are all at risk. And so I'm going to defer to Chief Shambo to tell you a little bit about the genesis of that program and why it's so important here in the School District of Philadelphia. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Watlington. I will say it was a little over a year ago when the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers and um, the district sat down to negotiate a, a new teacher's contract. And this was one of the key topics that we discussed as both the, the PFT and the district were both very interested in being able to take this opportunity to invest in our current paraprofessionals who work with our students, especially our special needs students, to be able to support them in their next step in their careers development. We had an opportunity with the one-time large influx of federal dollars based on the recovery dollars provided to school districts to be able to take this funding and invest in our employees. Um, and so it was an opportunity that came out of both our negotiations as well as an ability to utilize federal dollars to be able to support our employees um, for their future career. And what are some of the things that you were able to glean from the first cohort when this got started? Absolutely. So first, I would say we um, talked a lot with paraprofessionals to design the program, both from the teachers union and from doing surveys of our paras so that we were designing a program that met their needs after hearing what they really needed. I think one of the most critical aspects was understanding that our paraprofessionals, we have over 2,500 paraprofessionals in the district. So their experiences and where they're at right now in their career are very varied. So one critical aspect was to say we didn't want one program that only fit one profile of individual. Therefore, our university partners were designed to offer different pathways depending on where you're at in your own journey. We have opportunities for people who have never gone to college. We have individuals who, opportunities for individuals who've gone to college but maybe did not complete college. And we also have multiple opportunities for those who've gone to college, got a degree, and potentially have a desire to, to now go into teaching and that wasn't their initial their initial interest. So the key was to be able to design pathways to meet them where they are. And while we also felt it was really important, obviously the largest barrier we've heard um, for participation in these programs in the past has been a financial barrier. So we know that the most critical component of the program would be covering the full cost of tuition, as well as the application fee and other costs that come up that may present a barrier to an individual. There was another component of the program that we have learned has been incredibly helpful, and that was not just paying for your tuition, but also ensuring that the program is designed specifically for the needs of someone who is working as an adult learner and going back to school. So that includes components of having peers so that we are all learning and working together and being able to rely on each other. So we have a cohort model where it's not just one person at a university that there's, whether there's 10, 15 20 individuals that are all going through the same program at the same time who can also rely on each other for support and growth as well. When you think about the fact that our paraprofessionals already work in our schools, uh, they're familiar with teenagers and adolescents and very young children. Uh, they understand firsthand because they see it every day, the impacts of the pandemic on our students' social and emotional well-being, as well as uh, other areas that impact our students. What better way to look for uh, individuals who are shovel ready uh, to move into these teaching roles uh, if we can if we continue to figure out how to make sure they can get those degrees debt free and integrate them right back into this very schools where they already work. So this is a really, really exciting partnership for the school district of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's really nice that you already know who the teachers are. You already know their work ethic and their passion for the, you know, the work that they do. So you're literally growing your own. 
Absolutely. The stories that they can each tell you, we currently have 84 paraprofessionals that are going through this program um, that was launched. And each of their stories tells a powerful message about their commitment to our students. We had an individual who shared a story recently who's been with the district for over 20 years um, and is very much committed to the students that he works with right now um, as a conflict resolution specialist, which is another title that falls into this group. And now he's going to be able to go back to school to be able to take the next step in counseling and climate support so that he can remain in his school, but in a more senior position. And Ms. Williams, I also want to add that across the country and certainly here in the school district of Philadelphia, we absolutely are not uh, recruiting, onboarding, and retaining enough teachers of color, particularly African-American and Latinx teachers. Uh, I'm very proud. I'm very proud that uh, this initiative has an overrepresentation of teachers of color because we quite, quite frankly, have to do a much better job of recruiting a diverse teaching force. We know rep, that representation matters, and when children see men and women, adults who look like them, and have similar cultural context, they learn more. That's very established in the research. So not only are we trying to uh, replenish uh, parts of that declining teacher pipeline, but we're doing it in this initiative with a very intentional focus on teacher diversity. Absolutely. And what would you say is attributing to the lack of teachers uh, or, or students enrolling uh, to become teachers? Well, it's interesting that you would ask that question. In 1969, Phi Delta Kappa did a poll where they asked parents across different racial groups, would you encourage your own child to become a teacher? Uh, at that time, uh, the uh, response rate was yes, greater than 70% of Americans. Phi Delta Kappa has continued to conduct that poll over time. And the last poll I looked at last year, that number was down to about 30%. So we went from having two thirds of American families saying they would encourage their child to become a teacher to two-thirds saying, no, we absolutely would not encourage our child to become a teacher. Uh, I do think that it's a complicated web of uh, factors to include the respect uh, for teachers as uh, how we think about teachers has changed in the country. Uh, I think that uh, we've got to do a better job of compensating teachers and be careful about saying people don't go into education to get rich. Uh, I'm not sure that people say the same thing for people who go work in the private sector. And so since teaching is so important, what it tells me is that we have to really get behind the teaching profession. We have to be strong, adamant supporters about public schools, not just because we think it's the right thing to do, not just because teachers are somehow these missionaries and these noble individuals, but because it's part and parcel and central to the long-term survival of this democracy as we know it. And if we're going to continue to be the world's largest economy, uh, we've got to invest uh, more heavily in education and we have to support the teaching profession and restore it to its very respectful uh, uh, state that uh, was different 30 years ago. Excellent points. Excellent points. Now, is this something that school districts uh, across the nation are doing or is Philadelphia serving as a model? 
So we do see that there's been programs um, that a, a few districts across the country have created, um, typically called grow your own programs. Um, but this is something that is now gaining uh, much higher levels of interest. Um, and so we are definitely on the forefront of the size and scale of what we are trying to do here um, with investing initially two and a half million and now with another $1.7 million, really believing it's not about one, two or three paraprofessionals, but being able to create a program at a large enough scale that we can really impact both their lives and the instruction of our students long-term. So I do believe while there's others who have done this before, we're definitely at the wave of creating a larger space for this work to exist and to be sustained in the district. Now let's hear from a teacher who is currently going through the Grow Your Own program. Welcome from in Santiago. Hi. How are you? I am great. Good, good. So glad to hear you're in this program. Had it always been your intent to become a teacher? Yes, for a very long time. Um, I would say about third grade, I've always wanted to become a teacher. And I went to college to be a music educator. So I do have my bachelor's degree in music education. And when they offered this program, I thought it was a perfect fit for me. So what role do you currently hold within the school district? I'm a one-to-one. I've been a one-to-one for about six years now. And they're a person that works in the special education classes. And my job is I'm with one child for one year, two years, or until whenever they leave that school. Okay, understand. So tell me more about what sparked your interest in enrolling in this particular program. Uh, For me, it was just the ease of it. Like when they told me that it's going to be something that I don't have to worry that much about, like they're going to take care of my classes. They're going to take care of the financial side of it. Everything was going to be as simple as possible for me. It just made it so much easier to say yes, because that's one of the the hardest things to deal with is constantly talking to an advisor, getting everything straightened out, making sure, you know, pay is done, all that kind of stuff before you can even register for classes, let alone start the class. Is there a specific subject or area in teaching that you would like to focus on when you complete this program? Um, well, the degree uh, program allows you to get your certificate for K through 12, I believe. And I opted to also get my special education certification as well. And I know I personally would like to go back to special education. Tell me what it is about special education that you're attracted to. Uh, For special education, I really liked seeing the growth. Because I'm a one-to-one, I'm their direct influence So because of what I do with them means that they'll progress further or not as far, but I know that it's completely on me whether or not they get to a certain level and making sure that they they hopefully get to that level. And to me, that's just so rewarding to be like, oh, you know, he wasn't able to count money. And like now a month later, he's able to count some money. It's not perfect. But you see the progress. And how much of an impact, uh, Furman, would you say that this particular program offered by the district will have on the quality of teachers within the district? 
So these are people that, like me, who already care about these students. So you're going to have quality teachers already because these are people that always cared. They're they're there because they care already. So to let them or be able to get the degree to be in the classroom as the teacher, you're going to have teachers that already care. Is this something you would recommend to other paraprofessionals? Yes, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's very, very easy. And I love that. Hey, good luck to you with this. I'm, I'm sure you'll be successful for him in Santiago. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And thanks for what you do for the kids. Thanks. All right. And finally, how can people learn more about the program? So if someone isn't working for the school district right now and would is listening to this story and has sparked an interest to potentially apply to become a paraprofessional and work alongside our students and have access to these types of growth opportunities, you can go to workinphilly.com where you can submit an application for a variety of opportunities that exist within the school district. Well, I can tell you, I have nothing but respect for the work of teachers. Thank you for everything that you do. You are molding the minds of the future. Uh, Dr. Watlington, uh, Larissa Chambeau, Furman Santiago, continued success. And thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. Thank you very much. Thank you. More than 100,000 people in the U.S. are waiting for a life-saving organ transplant. More than 5,000 from this area alone show you support them. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. Christine Brunson is founder of Purple House Project PA, which helps domestic violence victims with an emphasis on holistic healing. Sharaday Howard brings us our Newsmaker of the Week. Our Newsmaker this week is 32-year-old Christine Brunson, founder of the Purple House Project Pennsylvania, a local nonprofit focused on empowering and transitioning women impacted by domestic violence. Now, Brunson grew up in North Philly and witnessed the effects of intimate partner violence firsthand as a teen. And since then, she found a way to allow that experience Experience to inform her work in the community. And now she says she's on a mission. Welcome, Christine, to Bridging Philly. Thanks for having me. Now, Christine, the work that you do is not for the faint-hearted, but you're no stranger to any of this. Not only are you educated in the field, but you have personal experience. So I started Purple House Project back in 2016 due to like lived experiences as well as by profession. I'm a licensed social worker, so I noticed that the community that we live in does an okay job at providing emergency services, but not a really good job at providing services after the emergency. And so um, I was inspired to provide something after the people get out of their situation. So you're about to follow through. Yes. Our mission is to strengthen, empower, and transition women through connection to essential resources. So just like you said, the follow through, the connection to resources, the community resources, just helping people find the strength within themselves. So this is a holistic approach. So you're really attacking the whole problem and the whole person looking for a lasting and during answer. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, our goal is to create a center called the Joy Source. And part of the reason why we call it the Joy Source is because joy is something internal and it's something that people can't take away from you. In a world where so many things have been taken away from the women that we serve, we want to provide them with resources, tangible resources that they can keep with them no matter where they go. Because two reasons. Intimate partner violence, also known as domestic violence, doesn't happen in a vacuum. It impacts people usually mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so it's important for us to provide services that combat each part of the person, right? And then also the resources that we offer are non-traditional. We meet people exactly where they are, whether that be a movie under the stars at a local community garden or whether that be a self-care day with one of the ladies that we serve and providing resources through like having conversation while eating a meal. Because I think that a lot of times a lot of the resources 
they want the people to talk about like, okay, what happened? Tell me your story over and over again in a very traditional format. But I feel like we're able to get a lot of information from the ladies just by breaking bread and just like by like sitting down, having a conversation. Having a conversation, you learn so much not only about their story, but you're able to help pull out some of the resiliency in them. You're able to help pull out some of the resources that they might not have even known that they had. Um, So we like to do it in a holistic, non-traditional. And having a change of environment, being outside, including nature, you make a point to do that too, why? Being outside with the women is something super important. We started a community garden at a local women's shelter a couple years ago, where we like not only have conversations with the ladies, but we also are educating them about different herbs and vegetables and spices and how they can use them, not only for nutritional purposes, but also for medicinal as well. This holistic approach, it's about not only seeing yourself differently, but seeing the world differently. Options, right? Yeah, absolutely. Options are everywhere. Opportunity is everywhere. Healing is everywhere. Um, we educate people on like the importance of like just grounding, just being out in nature, getting some vitamin D, you know, having a conversation, having a walk, just being outside. Also like educating people about like the foods that we eat and how that can impact like how we feel at times as well. So a holistic approach for sure is what we're into. You decided to start educating people on herbal medicinal uses. Yes, we partner with a couple of organizations. One of them, the Life Do grow farm i think they're like 14th or 16th in dolphin they're incredible they provide nutritional resources to the community education and we actually for about a six months one of their farmers will come out to our shelter that we work with every every thursday and help the ladies maintain the garden and educate them as well and so we partner with them and we also partner with glover gardens um, her name is haja glover and she is the one who installed our flower beds and she will come back seasonally to like help us you know grow some herbs as well as vegetables and then the goal was to also prepare meals for them as well. We didn't get to that part of the um, project, but that is definitely something we want to do. Not only grow with them, but we also want to like cook meals with them as well. Because a lot of the work that we do is in communities that are known as food deserts, and so fresh produce is not as always as accessible for them. Mm -hmm. And so that was the goal. How did you get here? Why did you decide to do this? So me personally, when I was in college, I had to do what was called a genogram. And so throughout my genogram, I noticed that there was um, domestic violence that happened in my family. And I saw firsthand the impacts that happened when people didn't address the entire person um, because of the domestic violence and how like oftentimes people would put a Band-Aid on it and they wouldn't go to therapy, they wouldn't process it, and, you know, the different environmental factors. And so my genogram coupled with the work that I do as a social worker, I was just like, I feel like we need to like tap into the strength that people have within and help them pull that out of them. Um, And so that was the reason why. And then I too went through a very toxic relationship. And so these are just some of the things that I use to help me like going on walks. I love to travel. And so I wanted to bring to the ladies what I experienced like when I travel and like just the beauty, like just being out in nature. I wanted to like create kind of like an oasis for the ladies at the shelter because I feel like a lot of times like there is really difficult to see outside of the four walls that you're in right now and so I wanted to provide like joy and provide hope and like just give them experiences so every time we go to the shelter we always prepare really really nice meals for them we always like hire a chef or like cater to them like and we make sure it's like a whole production like stuff that they're not used to you know getting at that point so so you're about lifting the person up. You're about raising them to a place where they can feel empowered to do these things, to change their lives themselves. 
Correct, yeah. I'm not about reminding them of why they're there. I'm reminding of them where they can go from there. I want you to tell me your part of your story that you want to tell me. Like, if you don't want to tell me that part of your story, then that's totally fine. Whatever, wherever you are is where I want to meet you at, wherever you want to go. Like, oftentimes from the first conversation, even down to our form, like our intake form, we recently created a form called a WINS form, and that's what's important now. And that's so important for us. So, like, what's important now? Is it a connection to essential resources? Is it, is it helping you become a homeowner? Because we are really big about, like, helping women become homeowners, helping women become entrepreneurs. We partner with a lot of organizations, whether it be, like, do you just want clothes? Because, you know, we know that clothing insecurity is huge. And so we partner with Prevention Meets Fashion, which has been a partner of ours since conception. And we often, like, that's one of the first referrals. It's not like, you got to feel good. Like, you got to look good in order to feel good, you know? And so we're like, let's go shopping. Like, you know, so we'll connect with, you know, Prevention Meets Fashion and other organizations to make sure we get them close. It's almost impossible not to notice the light that you carry. So I feel like you're sharing this light with the women that you come in contact with. But, like, what's next? So the goal is to get an actual building. Um, we currently offer all of our services mobile. So we go to the women's shelters. We have pop-up community events. And so the goal is to create a one-stop shop where people can connect to all these resources and for us to collaborate with our community partners. And so like, I'll have people who provide mental health services in the building. I'll have someone who provides access to clothing and security, food resources, all under one roof. Because I feel like oftentimes we have a resource here and then a resource 10 blocks down and a resource like three miles away and people get lost and you know what I mean it's hard to like fit in three different touch points but if we had everything under one roof at least the essential services I think that could be really beneficial um, as well as child care like I feel like a lot of times um, people don't have child care and so they have to truck their children along as they're accessing these resources sometimes as they're sharing really really traumatizing things and so at the facility that I want to have, I want to make sure we have some place where the children can, like, go while the mom is being, like, getting their intake done, getting their resources. Because although the children are young, they still are experiencing the energy shift in their parent. Um, and so that's the goal. Community collaboration is definitely the goal. Um, and this isn't your full-time gig. You actually have another job. I currently work full-time at a non-profit organization. So my goal is actually to do Purple House Project full-time because I don't do it solely full-time. So next year is the goal. So how can people help you? Community connections, monetary donations. Um, you can go to our website, www.purplehouseprojectpa.org. All of the resources on how to get in touch with us, how to donate. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the opportunity. The Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. Hey, what have you? Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. This group is a connector. It's a sisterhood. It's a community. It's called Philly Moms Helping Moms. It's exactly what it sounds like. Thousands of moms helping one another all across the city. They have a private Facebook group. They host meetups and even did a mom's giving. Here's more from the founder, Sharita Jones. Sharita Jones understands the importance of sisterhood. At a young age, Jones experienced a tragedy. We didn't get time to actually open our gifts and celebrate Christmas. Our dad was murdered that night in front of us. Um, we had a uh, someone actually broke into our home and they shot and killed them. Her father was the main caretaker of her and her nine sisters. So her older sister, Rita, stepped up to care for the family in his place. 
and the whole house has to go to school. And my sister had to, we had to learn how to cook for each other. And pretty much we had to care for our own, for ourselves. Caring for each other. That's the same ethic that runs through the group called Philly Moms Helping Moms, which Jones founded in 2015. But it's a lot of crime going on, a lot of domestic violence. So we're able to help other moms understand that they're not alone and that you have other people that's dealing with the same things and you have a place to run to. So that's one thing I am proud of. The nonprofit is a sisterhood uniting more than 37,000 mothers from all around the city, some who may be going through hard times and others who are in a space to help out. In Philadelphia, I feel like the resources are there, but a lot of people don't know that they're there. So they're like searching and searching and they're not finding it. So with the group, we're able to provide the resources that they're not able to find. Like older people or some people might not have access to computers or get on the phone and call in different resources. So we provide all that for them. And I feel like, you know, with everything that's going on in our city, when the gun violence and everybody's just like not being able to afford rent and different things like that, we come together to help each other. So it's like more people are willing to help. When a mom has a need, the group is there, not just during the holiday season, but year round. They grow amongst each other. They gain friendship and leadership. And um, even we have a mom that actually open up a home to other moms where they can actually come and stay and be able to help them with their bills. And they pay their bills together. They eat together. They help each other, you know, watch their children while they go to work or go to school so that they can build enough funds so they can buy their own home. Jones, who won't take credit for the success of the group and prefers to stay behind the scenes, has five kids of her own as well as a full-time job. She says she finds healing from her own trauma through helping others. And like it feels good because it's like I'm not getting reminded of my childhood trauma. I'm getting reminded of like what, like how happy you can make someone be. Well, I'm helping you, but you're actually really helping me. And again, you can find the group on Instagram at Philly Moms Helping Moms. They're also on Facebook. If you know who should be our next Philly Rousing Changemaker, reach out to us. Give us a call at the station or shoot me an email. I'm looking to highlight anyone who's making a difference, doing something to make the lives of others better. I'm KYW's Antoinette Lee. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Shower Day Howard, and our podcast producer, Tom Rickard, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>